Hi guys, welcome to All Things Books and Films with Jason. I'm Jason and this is the second episode and if you can't guess by the title it's about my top 10 favourite films of the moment. Um, I'll jump into it straight away. Uh, number 10 on my favourite list is Dragged, Dragged, sorry, Dragged Across Concrete by Craig Zeller. Um, and on... It's a new film for me, to be honest, but I heard about his films before, and they're quite long, slow, and violent. And I like a, I like a long, slow, slow build-up. And so I grabbed, just happened to see dragged across concrete in the store for cheap. So I managed to pick it up, and we watched it one night, and it was, it was, it's a great very long long intense film uh, it, the cinematography is great in it as well as the lighting the lighting seems to be it's there's a lot of scenes where it's like like yellow sodium lit and it's always kind of foggy uh, the two leads Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn are brilliant in their roles it starts off originally about what you think it's going to be about police brutality but then uh, basically it's not spoiling in a way it's given any spoilers out of the film but at the beginning they get suspended and then they decide to do something that they shouldn't do and there's multiple multiple characters and you follow them and their stories come together eventually in the film but basically Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn play these two police officers and they see something happen, but at the point they see it, it's too late to report to the police because they can't report it to the police because then they have to explain why they, why were the, they there and how did they have this knowledge that they saw this and they knew something happened because they're suspended, they shouldn't be doing it. So they mapped them. They, they tried to take matters into their own hand. Um, it's got some brilliant set pieces, and not like most action police films. It's kind of the camera is always set back a bit, so we can see it's a lot more realistic, and in its violence, and it, it's violent, it's bloody, and it doesn't doesn't shed away from showing that like any of Zala's films any of the Zala films I've seen he doesn't necessarily revel in it but he he doesn't shy away from showing it to you um it, it kind of kind of feels like the two main characters they're they're not really that sympathetic they have sympathetic moments but it's kind of they're kind of not very nice people but then you find yourself rooting for them because no one's good in the film they're all various shades of grey but there are a couple of characters that it's evident fairly on in the film that they're pretty they're, pr they're the nasty ones and I think the rest of the characters sort of 
have the two characters in it who have mixed feelings about what they find themselves in. And then there's Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn who, who obviously react. And no one fit really, really, other than the two nasty characters, feels like they want to be there. It's more like they found themselves in the situation. And it's just, it's just blown up into proportion, out of proportion, sorry. And then it just descends into, into a, a violent showdown between the two groups. Um, I would recommend to you watch any of, any of Zala's other films. Uh, Bone Tomahawk, but again, it is very, very, very violent. And Brawl and Cellbox, 99. Uh, which is Vince Vaughn, very um, brutal. Um, number nine on my list is Hereditary by, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing the name right, Aria Aster, uh, which is it's a, it's a horror film, and it's kind of, I suppose you could say, it's like a haunting film. But this is one of my favourite horror films. I loved it, because it was so... it. It feels so different. Again, it it is a slow build up of tension, um, and then there's a feeling of dread building up throughout the whole movie. Uh, it's basically about a family whose the mother's the grandmother of the family has just passed away, and some things are kind of uncovered. And it kind of builds on, you're not too sure if something's going to happen. If something's been laid in place with the daughter or with the son. And it slowly builds up and then there's some a couple horrific scenes in it. Um, it it's great and it's not only a film about haunting, it's also a film about like what grief can do a to a family as well it's you know uh all the main characters uh tony collard um gabriel Bryn, he they 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 all have a grief at one point in the family and you see like it's almost like they have separate stories of what's happening to them and their grief is they're going through it by themselves um, which you know, people we we all do when when we experience a loss. Um, I would recommend uh, Astor's other film, Midsummer. It's definitely a recommendation if you like a long build up of dread and tension. But it is pretty. That one even me made me grit my teeth at how brutal. And some of the subjects in the film, like subject matter of the film, and questions it raises, it's a bit made me wince a bit. And if you're a little bit, a little bit worried about watching films like that, or if I'm a little bit sensitive to it, I perhaps would give it a miss. But Astor just seems to be, from the films I've seen, he seems to be. A master at building like 
dread and then at the end just unleashing the horror uh, just seems to be a really different director of horror films that's out at the moment number eight on my list is i've got to be honest is not a film that it's tv series i'm kind of cheating but i love it and i want to talk about it i might even have an episode dedicated to it at some point which is true detective season one and three i'm not gonna involve two in it because i didn't hate two but it it was just okay it wasn't it wasn't special number one and number three just it just felt they fell completely different um one true detective season one is the one i'll just talk about today it is it's just a detective show that kind of feels like a horror a horror film like it could be a horror as well um you know it's uh it's about Matthew, uh, two characters played by Matthew McConaughey and Woody Allen um not Woody Allen Woody Harrison sorry um who investig they play two Louisiana state detectives and they're asked to investigate a murder a ritualistic murder of a young woman and uh, the director the, and the writer because it's the same person uses time in a very interesting way we they're telling the story from the present day and we see what happens but what they're telling and how they're telling it is they're talking to police detectives who are now interested because there might be something going on again similar to it but what they made it interesting by they're telling the detectives but what we see is what actually happened and it doesn't line up with the story they're telling the detectives necessarily and at some moments it, uh, you, you, you suspect people that are the main characters um, and Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey and Woody Harrison's characters in it are like they're perfect for the actors and they're perfect as like a cop buddy like a partnership they don't necessarily get on in it all the time but I quite like that um, the other great thing about it is that it links there's some allusions uh, to Lovecraftian fiction which is great um, just like some mentions of words like Kokosa and Yellow King which is you know Ambrose Pierce we're talking about and various weird fiction and it brings like a really unusual slant to the typical police detective detective fiction it's also got a great seven minute one shot scene which is which is just worth watching alone it's great um and matthew mcconaughey's portrayal of like his character russ cole is nihilistic like he's just a nihilistic he sprouts these philosophy you know his philosophy at the detectives and like literally you can imagine the writer picked it up from Thomas Lagaido's Conspiracy Against the Human Race which is worth giving a read but don't read too much of it because it will send you into a state of depression if you just focus on reading that all the time it is great of course 
obviously it's violent. Um, I I really would recommend reading any Lovecraft fiction, um, or any Liard Baron, who I mentioned in my earlier episode. Cause he, again, it's just it's a slant on the police detective thing that's a bit different, and it's just unique. Uh, number seven on my list is The Outsider, which is a Stephen King adaption. I don't usually like adaptions, but I'm going to have to admit I haven't read the book because I like some of Stephen King's work, but a lot of his work I don't like. I just don't like the way he writes, if I'm honest, and it's controversial. I know people who love him, but at the same time, I just, I'm not going to lie, some of the stuff, I, I mean, I read The Shining, it, and the stand and yeah um they're good my favorite of the of his novels is salem's lot but i just i just he has good ideas he has a good story and good characters just do not like the way he writes for some reason and that's okay like we all have favorite authors and different writing styles that we like but the outsiders it's there's a murder of a young boy, and they have all the evidence evidence that the police could wish for in a situation like this, where there's an eyewitness of the suspect walking away covered in blood, and then there's CCTV, another eyewitness of him there, of him covered in blood. And DNA all over the scene of the killing. But. There's also evidence that. The suspect who's played by. Charlie. Jason. Sorry. Jason Bateman. Who. Was. Somewhere else. Miles and miles and miles away. At that time he was meant to be killing this young boy. Um. And it's just headed with a terrific performance by Ben Middleton, who kind of fills the role of like an everyday man. And basically there's something supernatural that's killed the child. Who's Basically there's something that seems to take the form of someone local to the murder. But then obviously the actual person's accused. And Ben Moon wasn't just, it's just a great portrayal of like, just a normal guy who's like, he's trying to, he's come up against the supernatural, he doesn't believe in it. And he, he reaches for all these conclusions when everyone else is kind of like on board once they hear what it could be. He kind of, he's there trying to work out all kinds of things, trying to like, find a logical explanation for this boy's death but just can't and it's just great it, again it's another slow slow build up it's not there's not scenes where they're chased there's not loads of chases shootouts and stuff it's, it's more about the people and how they react and it is at, at times it is actually terrifying um number six on my list is uh it's not going to be a, any surprise, I'm going to have to do 
dedicate a whole episode to the series is The Empire Strikes Back, which is like what obviously it's Star Wars. I'm going to do a whole episode in the Star Wars series, but The Empire Strikes Back is to me one of my favorites. Not necessarily, I would say it's my favorite. Doesn't necessarily mean that has my favorite moments from the original trilogy, but it's definitely the highlight film. Like it obviously cemented the franchise at the time, and they took, they made the story, feel darker, more serious. Like there was more at risk. Um. Obviously, the and it just felt like the galaxy, like there was much more of a galaxy, much more of a story. To everything, and obviously the characters. You have the Battle of Hoth, which is just great, great to open the film with. Um, you, you know, Darth Vader relentlessly trying to find Luke Skywalker, just to me was great. Um, the Han and Leia moments in the Falcon during the chase sequence and the asteroid. It's, again, it's just great writing, great acting by the directors. Um, my Personally, my favourite moment, I remember watching it in the late 90s, it must have been, with my dad, when it was re-released. And I remember getting the chills of when Luke enters the carbon freezing chamber, and it's all dark, and then you just hear the iconic line, um, not the iconic line, but you just hear, it's the line to me. That makes me scared of Darth Vader at that point in the film is the force is with you, young Skywalker, but you're not a Jedi yet. And then just the the rest of the duel, like the duel happens and you see that Luke's not prepared for it at all. And he just is being toyed with and shown the true power of the dark side. And then obviously you have the iconic line, which I'm not going to talk about because we all know it. It's not a spoiler. Um, I'll talk about it at a later date. Number five on my list is 1917. Which which is obviously recent. I mean, I've heard people say it was a bit... It is perhaps a little bit a sanitised version of World War One, but... You couldn't, you couldn't show it more violent, more bloody, and more gory, because then some of the audience would have been taken away. And I think some of the message of the film is meant for a younger audience as well. Like a lot of people should be able to see it, not just people who are over the age of eighteen. Um, it's just, it's just a great. It's like a journey through like a ruined warscape of World War One, and they just focus on the two characters, and it's not so much about the war. It's a look. At, it just feels like we're looking at what the war did to people and the land as well. And like obviously Roger Deakins, the cinematographer, and it, and it's just he's just brilliant. The soundtrack to it is brilliant as well. Um, the track called the night scene 
and the scene that is used in the no the track sorry called the night window and the scene that is used in just just looks hauntingly beautiful to me it just looks great and it sounds great and it just the music just swells and you he's just running in the dark and the flares are going off and you can just hear people trying to shoot at him and it's just a great scene you need to watch it if possible you need to watch it on a big the biggest screen you can the loudest you can get it as well it's great number four is on my list is blade runner 2049 i was really worried about the sequel when it was coming out because i like blade runner i haven't till recently read the book that's based on blade runner do android's dream and electric that's Blade Runner is based off, which is Do Android's Dream of, ele um, of Electric Sheep. I um, have to say, I enjoyed the book. is completely different to Blade Runner. Uh, the bear, the bear skeletons there, but the book is different. Um, the field is different, but I have to say, I preferred the book to the film. Which really surprised me because the first one was one of my favourite films. And I have to say, Blade Runner 2049, I thought it's an improvement on the original. Um, just, again, cinematography by Roger Deakins. Just couldn't beat it. It was just perfect for it. Um, obviously, uh, you've got Ryan Gosling as well playing... Who's a Blade Runner, and Blade Runner's now, unlike Harrison Ford, Blade Runners are now replicants. So they're replicants now, chasing replicants, which was an interesting idea. And he does this outward appearance of this android that doesn't have feelings, that he can control them. And there's, yeah, there's a scene at the beginning where he's hunting down a replicant and he says to this replicant that's turned, your your old models always turn. And then I think it's the character's name, Sapper, then responds and you and you new ones never do. And Ryan Gosling character just goes, No, we don't and ends it. And it's just great. There's the, there's this, the scenes I love in it. My top scene in it is when he's doing the baseline test. And there's a few baseline tests. Basically, it's a scene. It'll say, re say something to him, and he has to repeat. Uh, sometimes he has to respond with a t certain thing, far certain phrase, and as far as I can tell, it's to see his emotional level. To, and obviously, at the beginning, it's. <laughs> It's fine, it's perfect, and as the film goes on, things change. Um, they could have... I was worried when I first saw the trailer to the film that it was going to be like a sci-fi, action-y type film, and be over the top, which the real Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner wasn't. It was, you know, an exploration of sci-fi themes, and like what... an exploration of like what it means to be human, and... Do you have to be human to, you know, actually be human? You can feel it. You know, they, they might be 
so close to being human that they are anyway, so it doesn't actually matter. Um, and yeah, there's just some great scenes in it. Um, obviously, like I was worried that they were going to have, you know, Harrison Ford, and it was going to be a big bang bang movie. And but Harrison Ford isn't enough, but just enough. Um, but if you've not seen Blade Runner 2049, I would say you definitely need to. Uh, next on my list is Alien, the, the, the first one, uh, 1979. Uh, it's just one of my favourite films. To me, it's just a masterclass of, like, the slow build-up of tension. And the f I just love the fact that you don't actually see the creature and you don't actually know about it or its origins. You you see, like, some stuff, like the derelict ship and the, um, the eggs. But, and you see its life cycle, obviously. Um, but it's just, it's just a great film. The setting, that, that like, used, used sci-fi where feels like people actually live on this ship and it's just the fact that why, why is that ship so huge but there's like six people who are, who are working on it it just seems ridiculous but pretty creepy because that thing could be anywhere uh, it, it's just an amazing like to me it's just a, it's just an amazing build up of tension and I, when I last watched it I realised at the beginning don't really realise who the main character is. In fact, until there's only a few characters left, you don't realise that the main character is Ripley. It, it it just feels weird. Like I don't know. There was something about it when I last watched it. Where I was like, is Ripley really the main character? Is she just one of the characters that happens to be the one that survives? Um, and it's just it's just great. Um, if if you liked it and you played like video games play play alien isolation it is fantastic at recreating that feel of the first one and you play as ripley's daughter and trying to find out what happened to her mother because obviously she ends up frozen and doesn't get unfrozen till number two and it's set in between the two so and it's just great there's only one alien like in the film and it's invincible. There's no way you can kill it. There's a way you can scare it. But if you do it too much, it will learn. And it's great because there was a point when I was playing it where I was hid under a table. I'd come out and hear, hear a hiss or something and I'd crawl back under the table. And I probably did that for hours on end because <laughs> it was just terrifying because um, they've just used an AI for the alien so it knows where you like you know it knows the area you're in and it's creeping around and it's just great um reading wise I recommend any Alistair no uh Alistair Reynolds novels so I have mentioned them in my top 10 fave certainly in any of the revelation space sequence uh and then there's the novels outside of that which are pushing ice house of suns feels very like Rid that ridley scott very used 
lived in sci-fi, dirty, um, not like a pristine, clear, white, everything is white, it's not like that. Um, but definitely, I would definitely watch, um, sorry, read Revelation Space Sequence, or any of the Alistair Reynolds books if you like that sort of sci-fi, because it's great. Um, my second favourite film, I would say, then, is Jurassic Park, the original. Um, when I watched it when I was a kid, when it, when it, well, I was probably a little bit too young to watch it when it came out, but I watched it a few years after, and I straight up thought the dinosaurs were real. Um, I was that young, and it caught my imagination and fascination at, at the right age where I thought they were real. It at the time it just looked so real, and I still think the effects stand up and the practical effects stand up to this day. Even I just think, I think it's it's great. It's a great, great film. Um, just the T Rex scene alone of it coming out just burnt into my memory of watching it when I was a kid. I think even when I was a kid and watched it, that film was responsible for me trying to find my own dinosaur somewhere um, and convincing my friends we needed to find a dinosaur so I could, we could open up a zoo, which obviously I didn't pay much attention to the film at the time because the whole idea is that you shouldn't do that. Um, should have been a lesson, really. Um, but, yeah, obviously it didn't succeed. Um it's just it's just such an iconic film as well and it's one like to me that's Spielberg's best. It's just great. Um not too keen on the other ones. I do prefer the original. I just think it's great. Um number one on my list then is again it's I've cheated, it's a TV series and I feel like it's been massively underrated. I'm really hoping for a third series, but it's uh it's a Netflix TV series called Mindhunter. Um it, it's fantastic and like it's like if you like true crime and reading true crime books you'll be obsessed with it. You've probably you've probably watched it if you're into true crime. Um it's sort it's kind of a fictional version of true events. Um there was a book called Mindhunter by John Douglas who worked with Robert Robert Ressler when they were in the FBI and they came up with their criminal behavior behavioural unit or something like that. Basically they do criminal psychology and they, the way they did it is they went to prisons and they interviewed the serial killers and, and they weren't known as the time. We, I don't know how they were described. But, you know, the this group that worked with them came up with the term, allegedly. Um, and the TV series isn't so much about them hunting and finding these killers. It's more... It's more like fact gathering. Um, you, you, the actor. I have to find out who the actor is that plays Edmund Kemper, who, who was known as the co-ed killer or something like that in the sixties, seventies. Um, he is terrifying in the interview scenes. He is so unsettling. 
and he did he must have done it like you can see interviews with Kemper the real life Kemper and he's done the, um, the actor he plays and done it so well but all of the talking to the killer scenes in the prisons is just terrifying the second season was brilliant as well um, where they go after the, they're trying to use that now in the last one the knowledge they've learnt trying to find a real serial killer who's not been caught yet trying to use that knowledge they've gathered it's just it's just a great look like look at like the darker side of humanity and like some of the scenes in it are just some of the interviews in it and you know um, Edmund Kemper's character here he'd be talking about just random things and then they say oh yeah like when you cut off their head and it's just casual just that you can see where like uh, Thomas Harris would get in inspiration for Hannibal Lecter's these people because they do not describe having a cup of coffee to cut someone's head off in a different tone it's just like it's a normal everyday thing we all think about which obviously it isn't it's the most disgusting thing anyone could do killing on a human being that is just a great tv series and the two main actors are in it are great as well in the roles that they play um obviously the names are a little bit different to what it is in the book but uh, if you'd like it i highly recommend reading the book it's really insightful of and robert wrestlers but you do have to have a strong stomach to read it because they will go into a bit of depth um it was a short episode today because i felt like my other one was a little bit too long and i prattled a bit and i also don't have the time and i want to get out episodes fairly regularly rather than have to sit and wait too long um it's been great i'm not too sure what my next episode is going to be but i'm going to work on that pretty quick because i do enjoy it i kind of enjoy i've appreciated and i'm really thankful for all the helpful and positive comments i've got from people i wasn't expecting people really to listen i was expecting one or two maybe i wasn't expecting i had like over 30 i think i saw this morning i think it was almost 40 but i really appreciate it thank you so much and i can't wait to do the next episode for you bye